Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cami Black. Joining me this evening, uh, we've got Ian here. Hello, Ian. Hello, Cami, and everyone else. Yes, um, we're live um, as we as we always are at the minute. Um, that's that's our plan going forward. We're live now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. So if you are watching this live, then feel free to get in touch on the comments, and we'll we'll answer any questions or comments as we go. Um, you can also uh, find us at ScottishRugbyBlog.co.uk, where you'll find uh, the latest news, views, um, and, and and other bits and pieces on there, and you can get involved in the comments. We're closing comments down for the podcast page purely because um, we've had some comments recently and, and it kind of take, with it being an audio thing, um, I think it's hard for people to understand the context in which things were discussed. So um, you can comment on most other articles, but if you want to get involved in commenting on the podcast, best thing to do is to jump on on the night and uh, get involved live. Um, you can find us as well on Twitter at Scott Rugby Blog. I'm at Cami Black. And we also have our Patreon page where you can subscribe to the podcast and in return, for the price of £3 a month, you get in the Richie Vernon, Thund- Vernon Thunderdome. So that gets you ad-free copies of the podcast. Uh, you also got exclusive monthly content. Um, we're going to be doing a podcast tonight for Patreons only, where Ian and I are going to have a wee chat about eligibility rules. So if people want to be outraged about eligibility, they're going to have to pay to be outraged about that. It has reared its ugly head again. It has, yes, but we're not going to discuss it in the main podcast. No. We're just Patreons. I love your Patreons get to hear that. Um, you can upgrade, though, if you want to, for £5 a month, um, just because you like us mainly, um, we will um, give you a shout-out on the pod, and that gets you in the Dougie Donnelly's Members Lounge. So taking a seat in the Members Lounge tonight, putting their feet up with a, a glass of their choosing, we have Jamie Settle, the Gavner, and Brian Dunn. So welcome to all three. Thank you very much for, for your support. Um, the other thing we're going to do from this week, we've had some requests from people for shorter podcasts. Now, I think opinion on that is divided. Some people like the la- the long rambling uh, <laughs> podcasts that we do. Absolute nonsense that comes out of our mouths. Exactly. Like, it's like, you know, it's it's a good old chat. That's what we like to do. So we don't, you know, we're not, planning on changing that anytime soon we like our long rambles however if people are pushed for time and they just want to kind of get to the main meat of the discussion and the, and the issues of the day then we're going to put out a shorter podcast so you won't get hands in the ruck you won't get where's doogie donnelly you won't get me rambling at the beginning telling you about all the different ways you can contact us we'll just focus on um the news and any games we've got to review things like that so we've we'll about 30 minutes so that's also going to be available for patrons. So if you want a shorter podcast, you are going to have to subscribe. But you get all the other benefits as well, like ad-free podcasts and the exclusive monthly ones as well. So that's not bad for £3 a month or £5 a month if you want a shout-out, is it, Ian? I'd say not. And, you know, even the £5 one, we are considering chucking in a couple of nudes if that's so tickles you. <laughs> if that's, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's, the, that's Ian. I should stress. <laughs> Uh, photoshopping uh, will be required, I think. <laughs> Just me on my face on Ryan Gosling's body in the... What's it called? Crazy Stupid Love? That I, I don't know. Have you not seen that? It's quite good, actually. Emma Stone oh. says you look like you've been photoshopped. Um, oh, okay. Is that the one with um, Steve, Steve Carell? Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll look at that. As far as rom-coms go, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Martin Bell says he'd prefer more jingles. Well, Martin, we're working on something. We had a... We had a <laughs> We had a comment on the Patreon page last week saying we don't have a we don't play our theme tune 
for our Patreon episodes. Um, but we're going to we're going to change all that. We've got a plan for having a Patreon only jingle. So that's hopefully going to be available in the next month or so. So watch this space. Um, the main thing uh, we're going to talk about tonight is the Scotland squad announcement. One thing that we're going to get to first, which we didn't touch on last week, which we probably should have done, um, was the fact that um, the pools for the 2023 World Cup were announced a couple of weeks ago. Um, and because of coronavirus, which we have to, I, I don't know, just everything's because of coronavirus at the minute. But because of the offer of nudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's also because of coronavirus. I don't know if it's, um, I don't know how coronavirus might affect how the nude would appear. If it's Photoshop, presumably, presumably not. Well, if it's an x ray of someone with coronavirus, it um, could be interesting. Yeah. I've seen an x-ray of- yeah. Um, so. Um, as of the what World Rugby have decided to do is they've done the rankings from the first of January 2020 because there are some nations. I think Japan is one of them who have not played any rugby at all since the World Cup, so they decided that was the fairest thing to do. So Scotland are going to be in the third tier, the third pool of being drawn out. So the first pool is South Africa, New Zealand, England, Wales. Second pool: Ireland, Australia, France, and Japan. And then the last pool is Scotland, Argentina, Fiji, and Italy. So it's potentially, Ian, we could end up in a group of death. You broke up a bit there, but did you allude to along the old cliche line, the group of death? The gr- I did allude to the group of death, yes. Yeah, um, very much so. Uh, although second tier, no, second seeds, Australia, we've, we've had the, the better of them last couple of times. Yeah, and Japan, I think probably about eight times out of ten you would expect to beat Japan. It was just yeah when we lost in Japan, it was you know like it was a remarkable performance by them, as we've you know discussed at length in a, a podcast back back at that time that uh, that tragic twelve step um, process of grieving or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean, but as you know, dropping down into the third pot, it's you never want to do that because you can draw. Two very very good teams. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it seems a bit unfair because you know we've, we beat France, who are ahead of us. So you think they could maybe have worked out some kind of Duckworth Lewis method? Maybe you would have thought so. Like to kind of like maybe kept. You would have thought they would at least could have kept people who haven't played in the same position. You know, fixed their positions. So you could have fixed Japan in eighth. Um, but I think even then we were still that we were eighth and they were ninth. So I don't think it's. It would have caused too much of an issue. I mean, I suppose three out of four isn't bad in pool two because really Australia, France and Japan on our day, yeah. Ireland, I think, is a trickier proposition, although Ireland tend to go to pieces during World Cups. Well, unfortunately, not the last one. We were, we were no. crumbled <laughs> into pieces. As long as we don't meet them in the first, as long as don't meet them in the first game, we're fine. Poor Hamish Watson's knee crumbled that time. Um, yeah, but it's a you know different proposition now. We showed in the Aviva that we can we can tangle with them. Yeah, I mean potentially you could. I mean if if we're lucky, we end up in a pool with Wales, Japan, and us. Yeah. Um... I mean, Wales are still that work in progress. We've been Pivac taken over. It's not the the Gatland Wales we're used to. Um, and also, you know, by then, the likes of the, the legendary AWG, well, you would think he would have retired because he'll be... I, will, I don't think he'll ever retire. <laughs> it's like a Robocop. 
Well, that's because he only plays like once a season for Ospreys. Well, that's true. Was that what is that? Was it like he'd only? I think there were was um, Josh on Blood and Mud were pointing was the other week was pointing out that Alan Wynne Jones had never ever played away at Murrayfield for Ospreys. <laughs> he's, oh, he's not, I don't think he'd played either of the Scottish teams away. He the only Scottish team he'd played away from home was the Border Reavers. And that's going back a while, isn't it? I know. That's a hell of a stat, isn't it? Which just goes to show the problem with the Pro 14, I think. <laughs> or the Pro. The Pro, what, what, why, however many it is this week. Um, so that's going to be tricky, um, potentially. So that's at the end of December that gets drawn. I suggested by house party at that point, because it's getting drawn in France. So who knows? By the, some sort of team, a team's meeting. And everyone will have to stick their hands up. Hosted by Pichot, or did he? Has he completely stepped down? He's completely stepped down and kind of stepped away for rugby. Hmm. It'll just be a lot of um, Bernard Laporte shouting at Bill Bowman, telling him he's, he's, his microphone's on mute. <laughs> you're on mute, Bill. Bill, you're on mute. As if Bernard Laporte's not in jail. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Your situation is Bill Bill Beaumont doing the doing the draw himself <laughs> from his from his from his conservatory. Bill's house party with Mister Blobby. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who's under the age of 30 that will make no sense no I think I, I don't know what our listenership I, I did get a brief um, kind of look at our listenership and I think it's men 25 to 40 yeah, it's basically us <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> it's basically us and our mates so much yes. um, so that's that's uh, how that is panning out at the moment um, the, the big news this week um, we're not going to touch too much on the, um, the 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 pro whatever it is games this week. Although you know Glasgow did win, Ian, and we should point that out. And Ember yes, didn't and do I too badly just, against Munster. Yeah, um, I would just like to apologise to anyone who's looking for a match report. I missed the start because uh, I was making dinner, but I thought you know what, I'll catch up on it later, and um, you know I'll, I'll rattle it a report. And blah. Um, it's it's not on Satanta's playback. I've, I've even looked today and it's still not there. I was trying to watch it today. doesn't exist. I can watch the Barcelona-Getafe game from last night. I can watch stuff that they showed two hours ago, but I can't watch the Glasgow game. So uh, I like yeah. the fact you call it Satanta. So, that's given it's, <laughs> given yeah, it's right. I mean, that's that's its level. Yes. <laughs> well, they, they are just, I mean, I think a lot of them just sort of two paid over. Um, yeah, because it's still crap. It is. Well, I think the fact they've lost all the production, they've lost their production partner in Sunset and Vine. So like we said in the other podcast, it's pretty much just Dave from HR running the cameras. And <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, there's, I mean, one thing that really bugs me about it is that there is no, you can't rewind to the start of the program or anything. You know, like, that's why, you know, because I only missed maybe the first 10 minutes, but I thought, you know what, I wanted to see the whole thing. So I couldn't start it and rewind. And a lot of times, if you even try, I've I've only got it on the um the player. I don't have it on you know my, my TV subscriber. Um, and there's no function for that. And there's no if you pause it every time you pause it. If you want to go grab a beer or you know go go if nature's calling, you come back, you play, and then uh, twenty seconds later it broke. So oh, the video stops. You need to restart the whole thing again. All right, fantastic. Oh, I've missed a try. Yeah, yeah. I've not signed up yet. They took a even though I could get like a, an 80 quid a year um, subscription through the Warriors thing, even though it said it was for new customers only. I think if you phone them and give them a bit of grief, but they'd already taken 100 quid out of my account. Um, they don't send you an email to say 
Uh, by the way, this is your, your subscription is about to renew. Um, the player itself, the, the app player, doesn't give you your membership status. You have to log in through the website and then check it all. It's it's not the most um, user friendly uh, of setups. No. no, it's not. It's it's difficult. I think the reason. I mean, I've, I'm kind of waiting for them to get desperate. I reckon they'll get desperate in a couple of games. <laughs> And they'll, disc- they'll discount it heavily. Um, yeah. The um, in terms of uh, the main news that like we said though is is the the Scotland squad announcement, and I, I think as we go through that, we might touch upon some of the the, the kind of stuff that happened in the games um, as we go. So, um, in terms of the announcement, um, in the forwards we've got Simon Bergen, Jamie Batty, Fraser Brown, Blair Cowan. We'll come back to that. Scott Cummings, Cornell Dupree, Matt Ferguson, Xander Ferguson, Grant Gilchrist, Johnny Gray, Richie Gray, Rob Harley, Nick Haining, Ollie Kebble, Stuart McAnally, Willem Nell, Jamie Ritchie, Sam Skinner, Rory Sutherland, Blade Thompson, Ben Toulis, George Turner, and Hamish Watson. And then the backs, Darcy Graham, Nick Gregg, Chris Harris, Adam Hastings, Stuart Hogg, who's named as captain, George Horn, Damien Hoyland, Sam Johnson, Hugh Jones, Blair Kinghorn, James Lang, Sean Maitland, Ali Price, Finn Russell, Scott Steele, Duhan van der Merwe, Duncan and Duncan Weir. Now, I reckon the only reason Blair Kinghorn is in that is to distract the fact that from the fact that he, he recalled Finn Russell. Because I hadn't, I didn't even check. That was going to be in my thoughts all day is I'll, I'll check to see if he's recalled Finn Russell. But the first name that grabbed my attention was Blair Cowan. Yeah. Um, I know good, a good sleight of hand from Tony. Um, a bit of an odd one, um, given that Cowan, the Townsend's never picked him before. Uh, no. The last one, I think, was he played against England when Van Cotter was in charge, so it's four and a half years ago since his last cap. Um, and he's, he's obviously 34. Spent, yeah, he spent a little bit of time in the second tier. London Irish was second tier last year, weren't they? Yeah. The year before. Um, and I think when I got my BT Sports, I saw him play a couple of times, and he was, you know, he was looking good. He's still a bit of a penalty giving away machine, but. Um, you know, he was, he was getting a bit of the park, uh, winning a few turnovers. But when you've got the likes of, I mean, he was with Tom Gordon, who'd been involved mm-hmm. with the squads previously and is obviously, you know, a bit younger, and you'd be looking to maybe introduce him to the squad and, you know, with the, the World Cup, uh, you know, a couple of years away. Um, but yeah, an interesting choice. Maybe it's just to do the haircuts. <laughs> yeah, because he is true. I, I thought he'd retired to become a hairdresser. Which is why it surprised me because I'd read a, I think I'd read an interview last year saying that's that's what he was going to do. He was going to go in and train it. Well, yeah, I think he has trained as a hairdresser, but I thought he'd retired to go and do that. But but he there he is still still in the reckoning. Now, my, my I think my genuine thought on this was that there is an element to the the way that the squad's been chosen that suggests that. There is an effort to protect both pro sides here because previously, you know, Scotland would have had the luxury of of, call, of calling up a big squad, including players that you know were even on the fringes of Glasgow and Edinburgh. We can week out like your Tom Gordons to come and join the squad, but that means that they then miss out on time training with Glasgow and Edinburgh. And given that both squads are fairly thin on the ground with because of coronavirus, because of the financial pressures. That that you you know you don't have the luxury of getting to someone like Tom Gordon into camp for a couple of weeks because he's needed at Glasgow. Yeah, um, obviously you know Cully, uh, who Cully's still in Glasgow, seemingly one of my friends. He's I know in the gym quite a lot. So he, he is. He hasn't. Why 
he could just be on a paper play kind of deal or something. Um, but obviously, there's only like uh, Fuzzy and Tom Gordon that are open sides. Um, so uh, I suppose that comes out to reckon Wilson's played seven before, but you know we've looked at squad depth, and obviously there's a few guys away. Well. I mean, also, you know, given the, the number of players that have left Glasgow, he, the likes of, um, what's his name again, Valacolum, Valacoloma, I'm sorry, but if that was pronounced wrong, um, the Matt Smith situation was Frock Clark, Adam Ash, thin on the ground. Um, so maybe that could be the case. Um, but yeah, it gives a time for these, gives a chance for these, you know, younger lads to maybe step up and experience pro rugby for the first time. Yeah, because I suppose, you know, he's 34, so he's not exactly a prospect for 2023 World Cup. So it's more of a a stopgap. And that can be the only explanation as to why you would, at this stage, be looking to, to plug a hole rather than give someone exposure. Yeah, and I think as well, like, um, let's say in terms of natural open sites, uh, I think it's Hamish Watson, the only other one that's in the squad. You know, Richie's a kind of six and a half. I think he's played seven before, but... Um, Jack isn't a major thing. He hits a lot of rucks, but he doesn't like doesn't get a lot of turnover penalties, that kind of thing. Um, and obviously, if one of Richie or Watson goes down, then you're in deep trouble. Uh, quite a lot of number eights in there, which is um, we've been missing them before. Uh, but likes of Haining, uh, Cornell Dupree being back, which I was mm. a bit surprised by because he's never set the heather fire. Um, He's been good for I think you know he's he's been good for Worcester though. I think that's that's why he's in there. He's that he's you know the the reports from down south is that he has you know he, he has played very well down at Worcester and and I think that's that's the reason that Townsend's given for for Blair Blair Cowan being called up. I mean Andy Andy Lowen's there saying Blair Cowan you know at the moment he's been good in the jacker role for a London Irish in the last few games and I think Gregor Townsend talked in the press conferences this week about the fact that he he has added things to his game since he's played for Scotland. So I mean maybe it's a change of tack from from Gregor Townsend, you know that that you can't constantly be building that within I suppose within international rugby, yeah, it's great to get players into to get exposure, but you also need to win games and to win games you need to be pick players that are playing well rather than worrying about getting people ready for the World Cup. Yeah, and you know, um, the the national team should be about selecting the people who are playing well. Um, you know, there's been cries of favouritism before, um, so you know this clearly kind of blows that out of the water. And you know, we'll we'll see what he does. Maybe he's in there to, you know, pass on some of that um, crafty thirty four year oldness to some of the other guys like Matt Fagerson who got chucked in at seven uh, against Edinburgh, it's the first sort of comeback game. Um, and you know, Fagerson's not really a seven, is he? But maybe he's, he's no. in there to give him a couple of tips on the dark arts and what have you. There's a, an interesting com, uh, comment here from Martin Bell. He says, is Cowan in because Tooney wants to repeat Rob Moffat's legendary experiment with Embra of playing a back five made up exclusively of open sides? Well, I suppose with the breakdown laws, and there's, you know, we're seeing a lot more penalties um, given uh, given to the the attacking side or the side who are you know, attacking the ball at the breakdown. Um yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe he's, I'm not uh, sure you could. I don't think you can do it of open sides. You can definitely do a back five, a, a full kind of second row and back three of of back rowers. So you have Rob Harley and, and Sam Skinner in at, at lock, and then Richie, you know Richie Watson and 
Thompson, yeah. Ferguson, whoever you want. So you could you could select a, a, a you know a, a back your back five of of, of uh, back rotors. Who are we for hookers? Because of course Fraser Brown can famously go back there, can he? Well, that's um, it. So, I mean, you could even do you. Could, I think potentially, Stuart aside McAnally. from prop, you could have well Fraser Brown and Stuart McNally both converted back rows. As is, I think George Turner, Turner, as, well, yeah, Turner as well. So, so essentially, you could have pretty much an entire your entire scrum pack. Your entire pack could be made apart from your your, your props. Yeah, we'll, we'll need to get them learned. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, uh, were, you, were you disappointed that, um, I mean, of the London Irish players called up, were you disappointed not to see Alan Dell and his handsome face making an appearance? Just beautiful Alan Dell. I mean, I'm, I'm always disappointed not to see Alan Dell. <laughs> I don't that's see just, it. Myself, don't know. That's just, do you not? How can you not see it? He's the most beautiful man in rugby. <laughs> I say that as a, you know, well, I say that as John a... John Barkley's retired, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I didn't see the John Barkley thing. I, I never saw no. it. No, oh, I didn't well. see the John Barkley thing. Alan Dell. Oh, you've got type, clearly. Well, that's it. I'm comfortable enough in my heterosexuality to discuss that. <laughs> Same here, clearly. <laughs> Get in touch in the comments. Who who do you think is the handsomest man in Scottish rugby? For my money, it's Alan Dell. You know, Ian says John Barkley, although, you know, I think he's currently playing, but well, um, still looking for well, a job, I think. Obviously, you know, Dun- Alex Dunbar and Tommy Seymour. We've we've discussed this before. They're they're in the running, but um, well, Dunbar. Does Alex Dunbar even got a club at the moment? No, he doesn't. I think he's looking. He's looking no. for a club. I think he's been training, though. I think he's been in uh, kind of a, a training in Scotland. I think um, John Anderson is suggesting Ian Hay. Is, oh, is thanks, it? John. Bless him. Isn't <laughs> he kind? I haven't. Um, no. PayPal him the net. Um, in terms of the rest of the forwards, then um, I suppose that there wasn't really many other surprises. I mean, um, Rob Harley was maybe a bit of a surprise, but I mean, Rob Harley's only thirty. I was surprised. I thought Rob Harley was kind of edging towards thirty-two, thirty-four, but only thirty. The man's just an absolute machine. Um, yeah, no, but I was surprised to see him. Uh, but he has over the last two years. He's more primarily been used as a lock. Um, mm. One of the things that sort of people would criticise him for, and um, I, I tend to agree, he's he's not much of like his actual sort of carrying skills and handling skills aren't great. He's just an absolute nuisance. Um, so he, he hits plenty of rocks. He gets you know he gets in people's way. He's good in the line out. Um, and we've seen you know the likes of you know the sort of. The new sort of dual open sides thing seems to be having locks that can also play flankers because you've got the likes of Ty Byrne, Marrow Toji. Um, obviously, Harley's not quite as good as those two, but I mean, the guy, like you said again, you know, it's it turns into picking on form. He has been one of Glasgow's top performers uh, and he won man of the match on Sunday. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's fair, obviously, because I've not seen it. Um, but no, he's, he's been playing a lot more um, the last two two seasons than he did maybe the year or two before that. Um, mm. Possibly, Glasgow. he looks he looks bigger as well this season. And I know there was a there was a photo of him in the new Glasgow shirt, and it looked like he had a, he developed a dad bod over uh, over lockdown. But clearly, clearly that's not affecting his athletic prowess because you know he's getting man of the match and lasting lasting you know the eighty minutes. But I don't know if that's a, a deliberate thing or an age thing. He's just coming to the age where he's kind of filling out naturally. But he does look he looks much bigger than I've ever seen him in the past. Yeah, I suppose you know if he's going to be used as a 
as a jumper. Um, you know, if he's leaning back in, you want that extra bit of weight. Um, so maybe that's part of the thinking. Um, but no, it's uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see him back, and of course Richie Gray is back in. The yes. Place. Which so we could see the Gray boys. We could see the the two Greys at lock. I mean, it's that's an interesting one. I mean, I think he's you know he's come back and I think he's been steady away, but I mean nothing. Well, he's been behind Harley in the pecking order last two yeah. games. Maybe, maybe it's a fitness thing, as is always the case with Richie Gray. Um, but no, he seemed to, you know, once he'd knocked back the World Cup call, you, you thought maybe that was the end of it. Um, but no, there he is back again. But obviously he's going to have to earn his place. Uh, one slightly concerning thing from the Edinburgh game, Grant Gilchrist went off injured about half an hour in. Yeah, um, with a looked like some kind of arm injury. We've not heard anything about that. Have you heard anything about that? No. The only thing I would say is that the fact he's named in the squad would indicate that it's not that much of an issue because, um, otherwise he wouldn't be in the squad because there's a number of players who are listed as as, as unavailable. So we've got I think in the you got Duncan Taylor, Rory Hutchison, Kyle Stain, Byron McGuigan, Alex Craig, and Luke Crosby. All unavailable due to injury. And the fact Alex Craig down at Gloucester has been kind of specifically named as unavailable. You would have thought if Grant Gilchrist had done himself something that's going to keep him out of the the squad, that, that he wouldn't have been named or would have been on the injured list. So I assume he's. So is this squad just for the first two games? This squad's for the whole tournament because it must be. I mean, I'm assuming the players are going to come in and out now. The, the word is that Jakob van der Volt is going to be training with the squad because he doesn't become eligible until November. So I think potentially Jamie Lyle on Twitter was this week suggesting, I think it's the last game. It might be the last two games that he's he's eligible for and um, I think they'll be keen to capture him and get him a game. So he's going to be training with a squad, I think, in the same way that I think Tim, you know, Tim, when Tim Visser first qualified, he went on tour with the team because he qualified. Was that the year they did the tour of Australia and then Fiji? And- yeah, it was. 2012, because I was still in New Zealand at that point, and he he played against Fiji, uh, and he debuted and scored twice, I believe. That's it. But I don't. But he, he was on the two. He 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 travelled with the team. The first game. He couldn't yeah, play the first could, game in Australia. Mm. So I think it's a similar yes, situation the famous, with domestic. The famous nine six game, uh, which has yes. anniversary just recently. With um, of course, uh, Joansboro head butting heads with Al Strokosh, which we'll come to later on. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the um, I don't think there's any other kind of surprises in the. You know, it's it's not. I mean, the front row maybe is is something that's going to be interesting with Ollie Kebble coming in. He's, I mean, I mean, he's behind Xander Ferguson at Glasgow, and well, usually for Glasgow he plays Lucid. Um and Xander's on, on the tight head side, but he, when Xander was away in Scotland duty and uh, Glasgow had a few tight head injury issues, um, I think the Nook was injured and Adam Nicholl, um, they ended up putting Ollie Kebble in ahead of Darcy Ray. Like, Ollie Kebble would start at tight head, mm-hmm. and I think one game he even played a full 80. Um, he's, he's played twice, I think, at tight head for Glasgow. Um, but it's, I suppose that's a, it's an option that he can fill both sides of the scrum if, if required, like Simon Bergen can. Um, can Rory Sutherland do both sides, or is that Murray McCallum I'm thinking of? I think it's Murray McCallum you're thinking of. Uh, yeah. Maybe, well, it's, uh, I mean, it's handy to have him in there. I mean, he's got to try the weekend as well, so it'd be um, interesting to see if he makes a step up. That's going to be the big question. Maybe a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Um, he's not getting 
much, if any, game time. Um, but we are thin on the ground in terms of props, and obviously, you know, what with only having the two pro teams, um, you you have to take what you're given, I suppose. Yeah, and there's none sort of, well, not even not even Alan Dell is good enough. <laughs> There's no one in yeah. at high enough standards. So no, Ian McKay just makes that point. Says no, Alan Dell. No, no, Alan Dell. Sadly, absolutely devastated. I was. Um, the um, the reason why we think it's the the kind of full squad. I mean, the, the, he's kind of said as much. I think players will obviously come in and out of it as as we go. And obviously, we haven't even got to the you know. My so, someone's going to get coronavirus at some point. Yeah, that's what's we say. Like, are they going to be happy sending people? to and from places because does that, that raise transmission risk even if it's only slightly you know because did you see the thing about the Scotland football players the other week mm. um, where uh, Ryan Christie and Stuart Armstrong uh, no Ryan Christie and Kieran Tierney they, I think they got sent away because Stuart Armstrong had tested positive even though they, I don't even think they were in the same room just because they were playing the PlayStation together yeah like, I don't. I don't think that whoever it was that was sort of overseeing it, the or giving the the guidance understands that you can play land network games. Um, <laughs> like, oh no, they're passing the joystick about together. Oh no. Um, AC. <laughs> um, well, I think that's the the may. I suppose that's probably the other reason that we've got someone like Blair Cowan and coming in that is to to kind of protect the integrity of the Edinburgh and Glasgow bubbles. If you the less players you have to move from the pro teams into the national setup, because presumably throughout the entire of this, all these players are committed to being away. It's almost going to be like a touring squad that you you're not you're not going to be allowed home. I wouldn't have thought, or to go and drop down to trade. They're not going to be released back to Glasgow and Edinburgh for the games either. You would have thought again to protect the integrity of the bubble. If you the less mixing they do, then the better. Yeah, especially with the the case numbers on the rise. Um, yeah, it would it would make sense to to keep them in these bubbles. The one, I mean, the one thing that's interesting, I think, is that Finn Russell, I think, is going to get there in time. And the uh, Townsend was saying that they're going to be sent. He's obviously not going to be released in time for the start of the training camp. So I think they're talking about sending Zoom training videos and joining them in by. Video by, by uh, virtual meetings with with the rest of the squad in the, the meantime, so that'll be Finn Russell and then the the, the players that are, have been selected from Exeter. I think Finn Russell can arrive on the Monday before the Georgia game, but um, the Exeter players, so that's Stuart Hogg, Johnny Gray, and Sam Skinner, are playing in the Premiership final the day after Georgia. So we're not good. They're not going to be. You're not going to have Stuart Hogg for that first game. You're not going to have Johnny Gray, um, Sam Skinner. I think. I mean, he's going to be close to close to starting, kind of bench player, kind of player. But he's, you know, there's plenty of players that can fill in that role. But you're going to be for the Georgia game. We're going to be Sean of Hogg and Gray. Not that it matters, it's Georgia, but it's and not the best God, prep. God help any of them if they think they can have three pints. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's I suppose Harley as that kind of Sam Skinner, um, like we were saying. Uh, yeah, there's there's enough strength and depth there to deal with Georgia, no problem. Gilchrist and Tillis are probably going to be the, the first choice lock option you'd think there. Um, and there's you know there's there's cover in those positions where those guys are. Uh, we might even see Hugh Jones at fullback. Who knows? Oof, possibly, possibly that's very true. It's um, I mean, in terms of the backs, um, obviously Duhan van der Meer was the big 
kind of not a surprise as such, but that's the one we've all been waiting for. Um, we'll touch on the rights and wrongs of that um, when we we discuss that on our Patreon only episode later on. Scott Steele was a bit of a boat from the blue, though. You know where that yeah. came from? Yeah, former yeah. Scotland under twenties, twenty seven, playing for Harlequins, scrum half. Yeah, because he'd um, I think his contract at London Irish had run out. Um, mm. but I've I mean I've only caught a little bit of. Uh, Harlequins, um, but you know, Townsend said he'd been playing very well. So, uh, and it's interesting to note that um, Purgos isn't on the injured list, and he's he's been admitted. Admitted. Um, I mean, Nick Groom is back fit. He played against Munster. Uh, Charlie Shield didn't play. I don't know if he's injured. Dan Nutton was on the bench. Um, but yes, yeah, Scott Steele just seems to have, have come from out of nowhere. Um, yeah. So there were some people going, what about Finley Christie? <laughs> what about Finley Christie, Ian? He's in New Zealand. <laughs> he's, he's, he's probably, I'm not going over there, I'll get coronavirus. I'm safe here. Um, Alan McDonald, who's not with us oh, tonight. Sam but he, that's who. That's who there is. we go. I, I, this was Alan's comment at the start of the night before he disappeared. He's got to catch up with us later. He says, Dunkey Weir's call up means Sam Hidalgo Klein is the new Dunkey Weir. Discuss now. I think what he means by that is the fact that everyone's been calling for Sam Hidalgo Klein to be called up, um, because he's been playing very well for Exeter. Obviously, he's been starting for them. They're, they're in a European and Premiership finals. I think Gregor Townsend's explicitly said that he's. It's the fact that he hasn't spent much time with the squad, so he can't get in and learn the systems that quickly. But then Scott Steele. Yeah. But then I think it's that Scott Steele can come in. Right. Now and do a that, fresh and he's got enough time between now and the first game to to pick up all the systems. Whereas Sam Hidalgo Klein wouldn't be released by Exeter until after the Premiership final, which is after the first game. So him coming in and he, you'd be mid tournament for him to come in and have to kind of get to grips with everything and meet everybody and get familiar with the with the setup again. So he he was mentioned by Gregor Townsend, but I think I can understand why if he's not available to kind of train in the run-up to the first game, then you, you can understand why he wouldn't be selected. Yeah, I was going to accuse Townsend of some Gatland logic, but he's, he's explained himself well there. Um, <laughs> but no, the thing is, like, Hidalgo Klein will have played with the majority. You know, he's, he's played with Finn Russell before, um, directly outside him. Uh, you know, he'll know a lot of the Edinburgh boys. Um, I suppose it's knowing the calls, though, isn't it? It's knowing the calls, yeah. knowing the setup, knowing the, you know, haven't been familiar with the Gregor Townsend you know, heavily indexed Bible of plays and But if they're gonna zoom them to Finn, could they not zoom them to Sam Hidal Clay? Well, ve- very true. You're unraveling Tooney's logic there. Because Finn's not been in the squad for a while either, has he? <laughs> no. No. He's not been. Um the other name that was in there, James Lang, was I think a lot of people have said he's been playing very well for, for Harlequins and he's got that versatility that he can play at centre or ten, so there's a bit more cover there. Um, so that not so much of a surprise, I guess, more just that it's interesting that he's back. Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose it might again might be to protect Glasgow because Pete Horn can uh, stay there and then cover 10 12. Um, yeah, I mean, Lang, I think he, he looked the two caps he's had, he was, I mean, one was games against USA, he looked quite good against them, but um. Yeah, he's, he's one of these guys who's just been on the periphery and you're sort of like, is he good enough to get, get in? But, I mean, looking at the squad, 
due to the injuries to um, like so Hutchison, Taylor, um, there aren't a lot of inside centres. I think like mm. Sam Johnson is the only name that really jumps out at me. Yeah, Sam Johnson seems to be the only one because uh, we've seen, uh, you know, what happens if you try Hugh Jones at twelve with Chris Harris outside him. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of outside centres actually. You know who can play twelve though, don't you? Uh, um, Adam Hastings. Finn Russell. Finn Russell, yes. Finn Russell Finn, can go at 12. Finn Russell can play anywhere. Finn Russell's going to go in the back row. Uh, <laughs> that's why he's been chunking up, so he's uh, stronger over the ball. <laughs> Very true. Um, that's, I mean, that. yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what selection is. It def- it's definitely a squad influence. I think the more we think about it, it's definitely a squad influenced by the need to protect the Glasgow and Edinburgh bubbles as much as it is selecting Scotland's best available players. Um, how that kind of pans out will be interesting. I think, you know, Gregor Townsend said he's reflected on how he dealt with the Finn Russell situation, reflected on how he was as a coach in the same way that I think everyone's reflected on life over lockdown. So I suppose the proof will be in proof will be in the pudding come the, the first game. I'd say the second game is the, the bigger one, isn't it? Yeah, the Wales uh, game is the big one. I, 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 the Georgia game is a warm-up. I, mean, I, yeah. I think there's... So, and I think the fact that you're missing Hogg and Gray in particular is you really you're not going to. It's going to be interesting who plays that game and how much of a warm up it is. There's going to be a lot of players that will need the game time, but uh, also you're not going to get the full a full strength team out. Uh, yeah, I think um, Kinghorn. I don't think Kinghorn's played yet this season, has he? Has he been nursing an injury? Um, Sean Maitland. There's a full back option as well. Uh, Adam Hastings. Yes. Duncan Weir on the bench. Adam Hastings at fullback. Or Duncan Weir at Duncan Weir at standoff. Oof. Duncan Weir is going to be our starting standoff. That afro is giving him power. <laughs> and so we're going to have Hastings at fullback with Finn Russell at ten when everyone's fit. Yeah. Hogs getting Hogs on the bench. Um, no, it'll be. I mean, this is the thing we're looking at the strength and depth, and it's actually kind of it's hard to pick a sort of fifteen. Um, Darcy Graham would be first choice winger for me on the yeah. right anyway. Um, although, did, did you see the Edinburgh game at all? Uh, bits of it. I've seen bits. Of, I've not. I, we've. I've been on my own. I've had my own little mini lockdown here, so I've not been. I've not had that much of a chance to to catch up on the weekend's games. But I, I saw yeah. the, the clip of him doing the clear out. Yeah. On Jack O'Donoghue was unbelievable. And then I swear to God that he didn't touch the ball for an hour. I, f- I completely forgot he was on. And then the sixty fourth fifth minute. You know, he pops up, but there's always taking a couple of players on. I completely forgot he was uh, on the pitch. Um, but yeah, he's such a dangerous, dangerous yeah. player. Um, I think when he does get on the ball, I think def- it's it's that thing of well, that Jack O'Donoghue clear up. Is just how unexpectedly good his defensive game is as well. He'll he'll put in very, some very smart hits, and he's really quick to the breakdown, and he's really strong. He's you know surprisingly strong over the ball. Because he gets right underneath their legs and just like, tips them. Uh, that's uh, that's what he did to O'Donoghue. Um, yeah, yeah, nice no, cracking wee player. Um, yeah. we, it's it's holes, who I guess. Yeah, who goes on the other wing? It's whether or not you have a Darcy Duhan thing. I think that's what we'll see against Georgia. It's is, just going to be a case of Duhan qualified. Point, yes, yes. Sure I believe. I believe he's qualified for that first game. Great, cool. Either him or Maitland. Then I would think. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, this what what I don't want to see is, you know, just fitting players in, in unnatural positions. Just see, well, we'll see how that goes. 
Um, yeah. I don't really think you can. Although it is just a warm up game, if you are looking at it with with an eye eye towards the week after against Wales, you might want to keep some combinations going. Especially Sam Johnson's not played um, this season, uh, unless he played Sunday, of course. I don't know. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll need to wait and see. Yes. Um, so that's the squad. That's our squad chat for uh, for the moment. We'll come back. To, obviously, we'll 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 keep keep up to date with with the comings and goings. Um, Earlier this week, though, um, or was it last week? It was actually last week. There was a, people, we, we caught a, a wee tweet from an account some of you may follow called Rugby Vacancies. Um, and they were looking for current or former professional players to go and play, go and, go and start in the WWE wrestling. So, Ian, you caught up with um, it's Andy, Andy Lockwood, didn't you? I did. That's it. Andy Lockwood from Rugby Vacancies um, to to interview him, just find out a bit about what Rugby Vacancies is, um, and also kind of what the attraction is of uh, getting rugby players into the WWE. So if this work, hopefully this works. I've I've, I've tried already. So uh, this is Ian's interview with Andy uh, from last week. Okay, folks, for the next segment of the podcast, it's a no holds barred interview with um, Andy Lockwood. Um, Andy is the director of uh, Rugby Vacancies, a, um, a global uh, sort of network for um, any kind of um, aspect of the game. People who are uh, even graphic designers, I think you've you've advertised for, up to players themselves. Um, and he's also the head of the Rugby Outreach Project. Um, can you just quickly tell us, Andy, um, what the Rugby Outreach Project is all about? Thanks, mate. Yeah, um, so I started a new charity, which might seem a bit of an odd time to start a new charity during a global pandemic, but um, I've been doing it for a couple of years uh, as a project and then transitioned it into a charity. Basically, I provide free rugby fitness and strength conditioning advice to teams anywhere around the world. So that could be anything from national unions all the way down to local community teams. Yeah, and so um, you said that's a global thing. Is it all done online or have you actually been out to to visit any um, countries? So at the moment, it's all done remotely. It's all done online. Um, but the next stage will be the development in countries. So that'll be delivery of workshops, either to players and coaches, uh, probably starting somewhere in the South Pacific, maybe the US as well, and then branching out into Africa and the rest of the world. Nice one. Okay. And so um, we'll also get on now to the um, sort of day job. Uh, you're the director of Rugby Vacancies. Could you just, uh, I've given a brief intro there, but could you maybe tell our listeners and viewers um, exactly what uh, Rugby Vacancies is all about and your role in that, how you came out, how you came up with the idea? Sure, mate. So about um, three years ago, so March 2017, um, I stopped doing an internship at Bath Rugby. I was uh, working in the academy. Um, it was only two evenings a week, just a part-time internship. Um, doing some S&C with the academy guys down there. Well, that all sort of finished, and I found myself with no involvement in rugby for the first time in um, 30 years. It felt very strange. So I started looking around for a couple of jobs, and I found some that weren't suitable because I was in the wrong place or just weren't suitable. Um, but I knew a couple of guys who they might suit, so I'd message them saying, hey, mate, I've seen this. Um, well, after doing sort of five emails or messages to various friends saying, hey, mate, I've seen this, it's near you. That might suit you. I thought, well, why don't I put it all into one place and then people come see it? And that's essentially what happened. Vegas was born, a very simple idea. Um, it's gone from there. Um, and since um, uh, 2017, it's grown, grown really well. We've had some really good growth. Um, 
and I have assisted teams from your local grassroots teams all over the place up to sort of the Crusaders in Fiji uh, looking for their coaches and coaching staff. So do the clubs, um, do they contact you or do you canvas, do you have to go and canvas them or what's, how's it, um, how do you, how do you so we do two things really. So I, I will either find vacancies online just through various sources or clubs will get in touch with me. Either, either way works. Um, and actually we, um, I had a club get in touch, uh, a German club looking for players. Um, so the, the uh, COVID response in Germany has mean that they're back playing again. So they're actually looking players for uh, this season and next season. Okay, and so the um, the main reason we've got you on, um, it's actually one of our uh, regular listeners uh, tagged me on the tweet, uh, me and the um, the match announcer at Edinburgh, uh, single H, Bruce Aitchison. Um, <laughs> Bruce, yeah. Um, so yeah, so the current uh, drive with regards to that is you're looking for four pro rugby players to join the WWE. Um, That's right, mate. Yeah. How did how did that come about exactly? So that was really that was an unusual set of circumstances, and I was connected to the guy who used to be the head of athlete development for WWE. So he was responsible for bringing in new people to the WWE to be trained to be wrestlers. Um, he subsequently moved on, but um, about Two years ago, I was connected to him and he saw what I was doing through rugby, um, rugby vacancies. Uh, and we had a brief chat and he said, well, look, if you know or you come into contact or you're in touch with any um, pro, current pro or, or recently retired pro rugby players who were looking for a bit of a second career, um, he said, would they consider the WWE? I said, I don't know. Can I ask? It's not, it's not something that's been done before. Although there are a lot of there are a lot of crossover wrestlers and, and WWE athletes, and The Rock is probably the best example. But most of the uh, most of the current crop of WWE wrestlers came from some kind of sporting background. It's quite easy in the US to sort of pick these guys up when they finish college because they don't uh, go onto the um, NFL or, or NBA or wherever they're going. Um, actually, for some of them, sport just stops, so they want that. They want that interaction. They still want to be involved. Um, so in the US, it's quite easy, but no one had done it before for rugby. Um, and in the last two years, I've put uh, five guys forward, two Aussies and three Brits. Um, none of them have made it to the kind of, um, none of them have been signed on a contract. Um, they've all gone forward for auditions. I think one or two have gone on for a second audition, um, but none of them have quite made it all the way yet. That doesn't mean that um, people can't. And rugby's a, on the face of it, people would be a bit surprised as to why rugby players might want to go and be in the WWE. But actually, the crossover is crossover is huge. Yeah, well, you mentioned The Rock. Um, I'm actually wearing a The Rock t-shirt at the moment. Um, and guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, so obviously, you know, physique's a big thing. Um, and rugby players are kind of pre-built for that. Now, a lot of folk, you know, if whatever forum you're on, as soon as somebody mentions wrestling, it's, people start going on about how fake it is. It's all scripted. Um, but, you know, these guys take uh, a serious amount of bumps and what have you. Um, so, I mean, is that something that, that maybe came into mind um, when you were asked to go look for rugby players? Because rugby players are always, you know, they're, they're never 100% fit, they'll tell you. And it's probably the same with wrestlers. So did that come into um, consideration? Absolutely, man. That, that's one of the sort of crossover elements is that a rugby player is used to getting hit, hitting someone. They're used to that physical contact whether that's being tackled or tackling someone. 
Um, so that absolutely that that crossover is huge. The other aspect of professional rugby players is that, as you say, physique-wise, a pro rugby player is often tall, fairly athletic, fairly well built. They're also probably quite trainable and, and can pick up new skills quite easily. Hence why people who've had an exposure to professional sport previously can often make a good crossover and a transition into the WWE because they are trainable, coachable. They're used to that sort of intense training environment. They're used to training every day um, and they're used to that physicality. So rugby players at, or ex-rugby players absolutely fit the mould of people who are suitable to transition over. Yeah. Um, one thing we'll um, quickly discuss here um... I don't know if you've seen, uh, obviously, with the, the current lockdown, your mental health issues are sort of off the, the talking order list. Um, and there has been a number of players recently who have come out. Um, some even uh, Glasgow Warriors had a 23-year-old boy called Matt Smith decides mm. he just didn't be able to walk away from the game now. Um, and also there had been some issues, if, uh, if anyone's seen the, the documentary Under the Mat, um, they'll know that uh, you know, substance abuse problems were pretty rife in WWE and, and you know other promotions. Um, so, do you know uh, do you know anything about how WWE look to you know keep their athletes and performers mentally and physically fit? So, it's a really interesting aspect, and, and one of the things that actually joining the WWE from a, from a, a different sport will help is that transition from professional sportsmen into something else. So you'll find quite a lot of uh, rugby players have mental health issues over injury or anxiety over um, finishing their career. What are they going to do? They don't know. Oh, we've done this play rugby since they were five or seven years old. And suddenly 30 years later, or maybe even less, you know, they don't know what to do. Um, well, actually this looking at a second career in something else helps that transition out of one sport to another. My, my sort of background is, um, military so um there's um i found some 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 messages to an, an old colleague today who said he'd had ptsd and was um, dealing with depression and anxiety um so i think it is um it is a big issue in in certain communities um, i know that um uh people like um the uh, rugby players association uh, are doing big things they've got some big programs um they've set up to help rugby players with that um, and the WWE are the same. Um, they want to look after the guys. The, the amount of um, uh, resources that goes into a wrestler getting in that ring, you know, there's years and years of training and investment and resources put into that, uh, that guy or that girl. Um, and, so, and so for them, they want to look after them. Um, but it's interesting that the, how that has come on and probably I'd even say even in the last five years about people being able to express themselves and say, Hey, you know, you know, putting their hand in the fan, I've got a problem. Um, and I need, I need, I want some help. And then being able to reach out and get that help five years ago, you know, 10 years ago that you know, rugby players definitely wouldn't have done it. Um, but it's good to see that change has happened. Yeah. I mean, even like the, the pro players in Scotland didn't even have a, an association or a union until just a couple of years ago. Um, guys like Tim Swinson started up. Uh, one thing you said there, actually, um, and it's something the next point I was going to raise, so it was a nice segue. Um, you said about the amount of time that WWE would invest in guys or girls. And obviously, uh, women's rugby is, I think, I believe it's the fastest growing um, participation sport for women globally. Um, so is, I take it this uh, recruitment drive is open to both male and female? 
Absolutely, mate. Um, although interestingly, I've only had one. Um, I've only had one woman come forward and say, "Could I? Could I be suitable?" Um, but yeah, absolutely. And so if you if you look at the events that WWE runs, um, there are male matches and there are female matches um, uh, and events. And absolutely, it's, I suspect that you know there would be an eyebrow raise if someone if a female rogue player said, "I'm." going to join the WWE, but that's no different to any of our male colleagues going across and doing the same thing. Yeah, I think as well, and what I've noticed in WWE recently is, I mean, when I was at sort of my peak fandom um, in my late teens, quite a while ago now, uh, was the Attitude Era. So, I mean, no women were basically treated as sex objects, but it's definitely changed now. Um, so would you would you look to encourage uh, more women players to uh, to respond to you? Absolutely. If they're interested, then yeah, absolutely reach out. There's no reason why um, anyone actually can't join the WWE. The only reason I've sort of been um, uh, look at the rugby aspect is because of my background and and what I currently do. Um, So if you are any male or female rugby player who who thinks actually quite like a shot at that, yeah, absolutely reach out and we'll go from there, especially if they've, um, especially if they're, if they sort of touch on my elite environment or if they have, um, exposure to elite environments from other sports and have subsequently crossed over to rugby and then looking at going onwards. And I suppose just finally then, um, you know, what, uh, you know, what's your big sort of promotion push? How would you, you've already said stuff about physical fitness, but how would you really try and sell it to somebody who's considering making the move? Um, you know, how, how would you try and encourage that? So I think the, there's a couple of aspects you can you, you could sort of you could say to sell it to someone. Um, firstly, it's a great transition from professional sport over to another career, but that other career isn't completely different. It's actually quite similar. Um, you'll be training every day, physically training every day. You'll be learning new skills. Um, you'll also be doing your job in front of crowds nightly, daily, weekly, whatever the sort of schedule looks like. This is so, anyway. Yeah, so so for that alone, it, it's actually really similar to rugby, um, albeit you know in a different in a slightly different environment. But the basic concepts are really similar. And if someone is thinking coming you know, towards the end of their career or coming back from injury, it doesn't matter how old they are. They could be in their in their early twenties, could be in their um, sort of mid late twenties. Actually, they should consider it as early as possible um, because the uh, the other aspect is actually if you get uh so initially you start on a sort of a training contract um and then you graduate on and then you're actually on the you're competing in the events and then it gets bigger and bigger and your storylines become more and, and, and so on and so on well actually if you do make it the money can be incredible i think uh, i can't i'm not quite sure how much the rock earned um or stone Cold steve austin or john cena but just those three guys alone have probably earned millions from being um, from being wrestlers. So if someone is interested in it and they think that they, they might want to have a go, I would absolutely encourage them, even just to explore the option uh, as something that's going to be a career post-rugby. Okay, well, Andy, thank you very much for your time. Um, we'll be posting a link to, um, to, to your Twitter page and what have you on the, uh, on the page once we put the podcast up. Um, so yeah, if any rugby players are interested in um, you know moving over to WWE, uh, you know it's, it's an entertaining thing. You might enjoy it. Um, yeah, certainly give Andy a shout. Um, so yes, thank you very much, Andy. Uh, you uh, you enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah.
couple, a couple of go, in order. It was Stu Hurst that um, tagged me, and I forgot to mention him. And the documentary is actually called Beyond the Map, not Under the Map. But there we go. Well, there we go. And it's, I mean, it, is, it was a really interesting chat there about the, the crossover and the idea of this, you know, how easy you can transition between elite environments. That wasn't really something that, when I when I saw it, I kind of thought, oh, that's kind of interesting, but I really considered that, that if you're, used, if you're trainable, then that's just a big yeah, thing we're looking um, absolutely. for. absolutely. And also, um, I forgot to mention, well, you know, we were already kind of pushed for time. Um, that might rabble on too long, as I tend to do. Uh, but there's a guy, uh, Bradshaw, John Leighton Bradshaw, uh, who used to be a WWE champion. He actually has a rugby um, charity program as well. Um, so, you know, there is, he, he was an American footballer, but he loves the game of rugby. He was actually at Scottsdale Stadium a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, there's, I mean, obviously, like you said, you know, there's the, the physicality element of it. And, you know, they're, they're disciplined athletes have been in trainable uh, environments. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, a very... I think it would be a fascinating idea if anyone wants, wants to take it up. I actually tagged Matt Smith and, and, it, <laughs> and he, he liked it. So maybe we'll see Matt Smith flying off the top rope. Matt Smith, yeah. second, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Um, we, we asked, a, when, when this first came out, we said, you know, we did we did put a tweet out kind of saying, can people make some suggestions? Um, Alan Donald got in touch. He said, Stern Vern is a grizzled submission specialist. Um, yes, I, he, oh, he'd be, yeah, it's like a Stu Hart the heart dungeon um that's it i should imagine them uh Vern cotter kind of coming in he, he kind of strikes me more of a kind of vince mcmahon kind of yeah. coming into the ring mid mid fight maybe with some roadkill <laughs> or some rabbits he's just shot <laughs> slung over his shoulder what would his uh, what would his wrestling name be just stern Vern or stern Vern, i think it's yeah. uh, nice and simple think, to the point um, I was thinking um, Alex Dunbar, given he did a, a textbook um, belly to back suplex on Jonathan Sexton a couple of years ago. That's very you know, true. Alex Dunbar kind of get a club. He can he could move over. Um, we ek. How do you call him? <laughs> the ek. <laughs> the ek factor. <laughs> um, Ali Baxter. Ali Baxter had. Um, he said Ross Ford coming into the ring in a Ford pickup truck. I like that. I can see that. <laughs> cool kind of. <laughs> I kind of in full borders, full borders farmer gear, like not like you know obviously because American they'd want them in the kind of you know dungarees and the damn thinking like tweed, the kind of like really rough tweed jacket, kind of wellies. plaid shirt, well he's pair of pair of baggy brown cords. That worked perfectly. Um, Simone Favaro, I reckon he'd be good. He'd he'd have a hell Aye. of a spear finisher. Um, Hacksaw Jim Hamilton, that was Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Not the Bruce Wayne. Stone Cold Strokosh. Stone Cold Al Strokosh. <laughs> yes, Al Strokosh is a pretty terrifying looking guy. Um, I saw him in a bar years ago in Glasgow and I was just like, monster or human. Yeah. Um, go on. What? No, I just, I, sorry, I think my mic went off there. No, he, you know, he's, he looks like a big scary man, but apparently he's very nice. So yeah. So looks can be deceptive. Yeah. Um, we had some, JP suggested uh, Rory Hughes. Now that'd be... That'd be terrifying. It'd be terrifying. Um, my, um, David Eagleton suggested my brother. He said he showed some skills in my stag. Now, I think my brother watches this sometimes with his wife, so um, probably best less said about that, the better. <laughs> on the stag stays on the stag. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah. His his stag do was, uh, oh, night out in Wakefield with my dad in the nightclub at two in the morning throwing shapes. There we go. Nice. Night I'll never forget. Um, we'll move on though. We're going to, we're, you know, here's us 
this is why we're doing the 30 minute flash pod for people that don't want to hear us rambling on about night suit and wakefield um we're going to move on um we're nearly there don't worry we're nearly at the end um it's time for this now Yes, it's time for Hands in the Ruck. We've got a late entry, though, for a wrestler name for um, for, for you, Ian. Hay Fever or the Bearded Haystacks. <laughs> from Liam Bird. Thank yeah, you, Liam, for that. I'll take that, yeah. I've got um, things in my team. <laughs> this is Hands in the Ruck, though. This is our Any Other Business section of the podcast where we sometimes talk about things outside of Scottish rugby. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're things that have annoyed us and wound us up. Um, so um, if you've got hands in the ruck, you've got a late entry, then get in touch in the comments live now. We'll, we'll pull it up while we chat about it. Like I said, the um, we, for our patrons, we are going to talk about eligibility rules um, because they come up every time and it, it kind of feels like um, we should at least kind of address them. Um, but we're going to do that in the Patreon-only podcast. So again, if you want to be offended by our views on that, then you have to pay £3 for the honour. Um, We've had one on Twitter, which is Jane Roberts, Robertson, who says her hands in the rock is spitting on the field. She says it's disgusting and unhygienic at the best of times on the field of play, and it's dangerous now in terms of COVID-19. Ian, your take on a spitting? True. Um, yeah, I've, I've always I've always wondered why. Is it, is it like a, an acid build-up thing or what? It's... I have the answer. I'm pleased you asked, Ian. Excellent. See, this almost looks like we planned this, which we haven't at all. Um, I Googled this uh, for Jane. When Jane threw this up, I was interested in it as well. Um, so this is according to um, BBC Science Focus magazine. She said, several studies have shown that exercise increases the amount of protein secreted into the saliva, especially a kind of mucus called MUC5B. The mucus makes the saliva thicker, which makes it harder to swallow, so we spit it out. It isn't clear why we produce more MUC5B when exercising, but it may be we breathe out, we breathe through our mouth more, so the mucus stops the mouth from drying out. Some sports, such as basketball and tennis, penalise players for spitting, but football and rugby don't, so the players are free to expectorate, which I like that word. <laughs> the word expectorate. I think um, the answer to this is spittoons. <laughs> Private spittoons or like... Somebody well, like Waterboy brings on a bucket for you to spit. A water boy, I think a Waterboy brings on a spittoon um, at breaks and also they're, they're just at the side of the pitch and then go and casually walk off. We ding into a spittoon. <laughs> Someone takes them away, disposes of them as medical waste. Yeah, and they did say you can do uh, they can do concussion tests through spit as well, can't they? So you know, if everyone gets their own little spit bucket, they go, "Oh wait, he's concussed. He was lying. Get him off." <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you could do coronavirus tests as well. Aye. You could test the spit after the game, which wipe a wee dab in there, see. If, and then if it came back, even if it was like people spit mixed together, you know somebody had it. Well, did you see the um, Scotland England under nineteen game get called off halfway through because um, Billy Stark the uh, Scotland's football coach, he, he, his test results came back mid-game and he was positive. <laughs> um, although, I, I mean, Scotland were losing 3-1 at the time, so um, possibly <laughs> That's something to do. Yeah. Do you think that was deliberate? There's a, there's a tactic for Gregor Townsend. <laughs> He's getting, he needs to get like, false, a false... Uh, <laughs> See, when we're down by, for Wales, someone, someone in the backroom staff just needs to get a positive coronavirus test through. Yeah. It's like rather than, you know... The, the clear 
uh, urine samples for drug tests. It's like that. We need some. <laughs> it's like the reverse of that. We need some. We yeah. need some dirty spit. <laughs> but it's always I'm... like when I was a kid watching football, you'd like the camera always seemed to cut to players just when they were spitting. So obviously, you know, when you're a kid, that's a sort of learned behaviour. I think so it's I because see where Jane's coming from. Someone had asked this on on when I was looking for the answer to Jane's question. Someone had asked this and said um, that. It, you know, that it is more prevalent in football because you see it more. But I wonder whether it's just that they cut to players who are standing. Joe, when there's nothing happening, you cut to a player, and, and when you stand and do nothing, that's when you're more likely to just <laughs> have, like, a oh, wee, have a wee have a wee gub on the floor. <laughs> um, Ron Wilson says, "Socially distanced spittoons." There's a phrase we never thought we'd hear ourselves say. <laughs> yeah, not with that attitude, Ron. Not <laughs> Um, we've had another um, entry into Hands in the Ruck. This is uh, Cabwe Callum on Twitch. This is our first. This is our first Twitch. Well done, um, Cabwe Callum. You're the first person to comment on Twitch who is not a Russian spam bot. So well done for that. <laughs> give you a give you a badge if I had one. Um, he says the SRU not using the outlines of the three mountains on their support Scottish rugby campaign. I think. I mean, yeah, use the names, but I think that'd be a great idea. Of actually, the outlines of of Ben Nevis and was it Nevis? And I can't remember what the other two were. One was low, the bottom one's Lomond. Right. I mean, me, I've been up Goatfell. That's the highest point I've been in Scotland. <laughs> it wasn't Goatfell. No. Um, I, don't think that, I think that's only 830 something feet. So it yeah, down. it's barely a mountain. Nah, it's not a More of a ticket, large hill. Um, well, it, was, what, it was still steep and I got sunburn on my calves. All right, so it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> What's had its hands in your ruck apart from sunburnt calves? Um, this is actually quite a literal uh, hands in the ruck here um, from the Bledslow Cup. Uh, I don't know if any of you saw it. Um, I mean, some people, it was a fascinating game. Um, some people say it was the greatest game of all time, but I think that's just hyperbolic. That's pushing it. Yeah, 13 all is not, if it's 13 all, what was it 16 all? 16 all is not the greatest game of rugby ever played. No, no. Um, no. I could think of like five from last year alone. Um, but yeah, uh, right at the end, Reese Hodge had a chance to win the match with a, a long-range penalty. It scudded off the post. And now, if I'm Dave Rennie, I would be absolutely livid right now. And Dave can get a bit feisty. Um, but there's a blatant, this absolutely blatant hands in the ruck from uh, Tupovai, um, literally like 10 metres in front of the sticks. He's, he's like lying all over the floor, goes to scoop the ball out of the ruck. Um, the only thing that maybe stops it is that um, Corribati, um, he, he manages, as the ball's kind of spinning up in air, he manages to grab hold of it. But it is the most blatant penalty you ever see. And the, the referee's on the wrong side of it, so you can't blame him. He's on the other side of the ruck and there's bodies everywhere. TMO, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if TMOs are allowed to get involved in these things, but I mean, it's a blatant pen. And it would have given Australia a chance um, to beat the All Blacks in New Zealand for the first time in, was it 16 years? Something like that, yeah. more than that. Um, and then even later on, while this madness is still going on, it went on for another eight minutes. <laughs> uh, New Zealand had a chance to uh, to score in the 88th minute. But I think Corbetti again it was, um, he, there's a, a, I think a Hooper effects a turnover, he gets on the ball. As he's trying to exit the 22, there are at least two high, there's a high tackle, and then Richie Moonga goes in, he looks like he's going in high, strips the ball back, and New Zealand have have a chance to win the match. Now, thankfully, they didn't, but if they did, I imagine we would hear Dave Rennie screaming from here. <laughs> it was just the most 
dodgy bit of refereeing I've seen for quite some time. Um, yeah. And it's a shame that we have to keep talking about poor refereeing. I mean, as well, there's a, a try um, in the lead up to the first New Zealand try. Rico Ione's foot is on the touchline. Um, Ione then did one of the most hilarious failures at grounding the ball you've ever seen. Um, but no, it was a, just a really, really poor decision. And it was a literal hands in the ruck. So I thought you'd appreciate yeah. that. The one hands in the ruck I did enjoy there was Ari Salvea, who managed to get a turnover whilst limping. He's a hard man. He is a hard man. Do we? Th- I mean, it's interesting the day for anything. I know it could just be a new coach bounce, but he may, given what we've heard from Glasgow Warriors, it may be that he's more suited to coaching international rugby where he has very little to do with the players in downtime. He has to deal with the, the squad that he selects at that time. Well, who was it? There was somebody, a former player, right? Was it maybe James Horwell? Uh, he said, you know, Dave Rennie's known for building good team cultures. But um, as, you know, Jason O'Halloran said about you know, Scottish player psyches, maybe Dave Rennie's just got, like, Australia and New Zealand, you know, similar necks of the woods. Maybe they've got more in common personality-wise and maybe he'll be better at dealing with them. Um, but, yeah, know, a, a pretty impressive first result from him in, in Windy Wellington. I think it was Rory was pointing out, I mean, that's, that's, that's a win grown in Scotland. You've got Dave Rennie. Yeah, Matt, Matt Taylor, Matt Taylor, big Scott Johnson upstairs. Mm-hmm. So we'll, you know, we're a feeder nation now. We we await the thank you card from from Australia. Any Australian listeners, at least sign up to the podcast, the Patreon for a month. I think that's we deserve nothing less. Oh, to be fair, you took Scott Johnson off our hands, so we can't be too, <laughs> can't be too picky. Um, my Just hands in the too much. Go to me. <laughs> Actually, no, let's. Nah. He did some decent things, but he was also a bit of a... He, yeah, he also turned up to a Sevens tournament, mid-tournament, and told the Sevens lads that they were all being made redundant, so that's not to be too, compl- <laughs> not to be too complimentary about him. Oh, I, I saw him at a Sevens tournament once. Maybe that was the one. <laughs> he, he didn't seem to want to mingle with the crowd much. Um, so I can imagine he wouldn't, know. Um, my hands in the ruck, uh, it comes back to a subject we've touched on before, um, is World Rugby have reached a decision to ban trans players from trans women players from playing at the elite level, so that's professional level of of the sport. Um, And they have said that domestic unions have their own discretion to make up their own rules, but they would emphasise that they believe there's a risk to trans women playing playing with other women, playing with cis women. Um, It's a, a very disappointing decision that they've come to that conclusion. I was kind of hoping they wouldn't, um, I, I, they kept saying they were just consulting on it, and it was just that you know they'd invited these people in, who'd obviously been kind of bending their ear with, with a particular agenda, um, had, had allowed them in to present to them, and I kind of thought, well, they'll kick it in the long grass. But no, they've made the decision to to, to put in a ban. They're the first, I think, the first sport to do that in the world. So it's. Uh, groundbreaking is the wrong word, but you know they've they've done it. They're the only Olympic sport to have done it. Um, it's you know this is an already marginalised group being excluded from the sport, um, and there's no indication at all that this is a, a live issue at the elite level of of rugby. There's not. I don't think there has been a single trans woman player who's played at elite level. I don't think there's any players who are knocking on the door looking to play at elite level and uh, most of this is grassroots players just looking for a club to play at um the you know the the science is i mean i think this the, the science 
that's been put forward is obviously peer-reviewed, but I don't think it's been done in the context of rugby. It's been done in the context of other sports, which aren't necessarily comparable. And the reason they've World Rugby have given is that uh, a trans woman who's gone through male puberty has um, advantages over a cis woman who, who who hasn't, even if they take medication to lower their levels of testosterone. Now, the ban doesn't extend to um, trans women who have not gone through male puberty. So that's, that's um, you know, people who've transitioned before male puberty. It doesn't apply to them, but it does apply to trans women who've, who've gone through male puberty because World Rugby have decided that they have a, an, an advantage. Um, I think that ignores the uniqueness of rugby that you, in, in at all levels of sport, women's rugby, men's rugby, pro level, international level, grassroots level, you have mismatches all over the place. When you look at Darcy Graham versus Jack O'Donoghue at the weekend, you know, Darcy Graham's five foot nine and 13 stone in his stock and feet. Jack Donahue's six foot three and 17 stone. And Darcy Graham gets in low and lifted him off the ruck. You know, Nadalo, you know, versus anybody. Jonah Luma versus Mike Cat, you know, running uh, over Ali, the top. Ali Price took Nadalo down. There you go. Exactly. I don't. There is a risk. There isn't the risk of larger players and people and, and stronger players and bigger players playing against smaller players is a risk in any game of rugby at any level. And there is no evidence at all that we're about to have an army of trans women about to march and take over women's rugby. And that appears to be where the fear the fear is coming from. This is about people who want to go and play rugby and they're being stopped from doing it. And I think they're still allowed to play touch rugby, but I think that misses the point. Um, I also don't, I also think that there there is a, you know, there's a message there, an unfortunate message that World Rugby sending out about women's bodies that they can't be be tall, big, and strong, that they're somehow shrinking flowers that need to be protected. Um, you know, and it's disappointing rugby a sport that prides itself on being a sport for all, but it's you know, it's 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 not, and that's yeah, not just disappointing. It's a bit kind of inclusivity. Um, look, man, I know it's a highly nuanced. We've we've spoken about this before, like, and it is a very nuanced and complicated issue and uh, you know I'm, I'm not a scientist um but when we spoke about it before we were like well like you said you know there are size mismatches everywhere and then we, we got a nice we got a nice letter an electronic letter from a um a trans a trans woman um and she's she, her like point which she put across and i thought it was a, a damn good one is if you are that worried about a certain individual being so much bigger and what have you, why don't you do it by a case by case basis? Why are yeah. you, a blanket ban seems it's it's completely non inclusive. It's the opposite of it. They're just yeah. saying no, you're too big and strong. You know, and yeah, like you said, we're not expecting you know someone who's a you know a six foot eight lock who can't quite make it just to go. All right, that's it. Two years of hormone therapy and a and a snip here and there. I'll go play women's rugby. I, I don't think you know if that's. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, no, it is quite quite upsetting. I'm sure J.K. Rowling's delighted, um, but no, uh, it, I, I don't think I don't like the call. Um, it's you know, too. It just feels. Over, I think the other thing as well, which kind of 
which which makes me slightly suspect suspect about the reasons for the decision. I don't think it's world rugby. I think that the the scientists that went in they you know, presented their evidence and it's peer reviewed evidence and it it relates to other sports and it relates to biology rather than applying the biology to rugby and rugby's specific circumstances. But you know, so that you know that that's not. I don't think there's an there's necessarily an argument as such that there aren't some advantages it, it's in certain individuals and this is why the blanket bans a bit seems a bit overkill um but the fact that there is no protection for trans men so that is women that have 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 transitioned to to become to, to the male gender that there's no there's no protection for them they're able to carry on so if if world rugby is so worried about you know the risk to players it's it's not happy for to put women in what it says is a dangerous position because of of the the perceived risk from a small number of trans women who may be larger and maybe bigger and may have advantages compared to putting trans men at risk for going and playing up against men who and and it's the same so if if you're going to ban one then why not for risk reasons why not ban the other yeah true um I guess, you know, if you if if you're not concerned about the size differential, then you, but you're happy for a smaller person to potentially go and, you know, if the smaller person, if it's like sort of they're saying you can take your own risk there, but they're not allowing the players of those who, if you're playing against a transgender rune, should it maybe be the club's choice? Have they put it out to players themselves? Have they asked any players' unions about this, or did they just go, we'll ask this scientist? Look, here's our information. Both there we go. Decision made. Um, obviously, it's very there, there was a whole. I mean, there was a whole range of of presentations made at this 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 big conference that they had about it. But I think there was no I think what was missing at that conference and what's what they've been criticised for is that, that there were no that the voice of trans women wasn't heard at that conference. There was no that, and there are plenty of um, you know scientists out there who are. You know, trans women who who would put forward their own evidence to counter it. Um, they were in the room, and uh, but but they weren't invited to speak. So they're in the room and they contributed to the debate, but they weren't weren't invited to put forward their own presentations, putting their own view forward. So that's I think that's why it's it's disappointing because although they might have been part of the discussion, they weren't able to kind of put forward their own their own arguments evidence. and their own evidence to to kind of counter some of the the, the points being made. So. That's where it is. I think the worrying thing, I think, is that you know, World Rugby have kind of put it back on home unions to make their own decision. I hope, given you know, Scottish Rugby are supporting the the Thebans to to put, put in a, a bid. I think for the for the the, gay, the LBGT um, or the World Cup. Cup. Yeah. Um, so I would hope that Scottish Rugby sticks with its current policy and doesn't just kind of throw its hands up and say, we don't know what to do. It's too hard. We'll go world rug because of the risk. And given we've got Dr. James Robson and we've got world leading kind of doctors and stuff, you would hope that the, the an informed decision, an informed decision would be made about grassroots rugby in Scotland. But I think the, the worry is that a lot of unions will just say, well, world rugby says it's too much of a risk. That's it. Yeah. And also I'm worried about this, like, this could, um, I mean, this could end up going to the, the court of arbitration for sport and all stuff and dragging rugby's name through the mud. 
Yeah. Um, and we don't want that. I was actually just trying to look up there if you can get um, if there's any combat athletes like you know boxers or MMA fighters or anything that uh, if there's a, a sort of ruling there, but um, but that's going to take a bit more research, I think. Um, yeah. I, it's not. There's not. I mean, the, the it's the first sport to do it. It's without precedent. I think. I think rugby, in the same way as apartheid, it's going longer term. It's going to be found to have been on the wrong side of history. I think there's. I read something briefly about cycling, but um, they've not click exclusively banned it. I think it's uh, probably a case by case basis, which is probably what it should have been. It's you know, it's it's hard, and I'd like like we said, there's not. It's not. I don't think there's a long queue of. People banging on the door saying, "I want to come. You know, I want to play elite rugby." And I'm, you know, you know, six foot five locks saying, "I've I've been unsuccessful in men's rugby, so I'm going to transition to be a woman to be successful." I don't. That's that's not happening. No. Anyway, there we go. That's that's the hands in the ruck for this week. Um, do you know we, we'll 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 no doubt circle back to this when Scottish rugby makes its own decision. So all eyes on all eyes on them now to see what happens. Um, that's it for us for this week. We'll be back next week. Um, we, if you're a patron, you'll we're gonna have a wee kind of twenty minute chat about eligibility rules. Me and Ian in a bit. Uh, but for the moment, it's goodbye from uh, me and goodbye from Ian. Bye.